episode, we're speaking to Ron Brooks. Ron is a banking consultant, author, host, and real estate investor. Ron transitioned from his career in banking to work now with banks as a consultant to invest in uh, revenues for low income, um, reducing expenses and protecting the vulnerable uh, customers. Ron is also a real estate investor who helps property sellers get top dollar and tenant buyers to achieve their goal of affordable home ownership. He has an amazing journey. Let's find out how he changed his mindset to change his life. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We have Ron Brooks. Welcome, Ron. Hey, thank you so much, Gul. I'm excited to be here. I'm Let's so excited. It. I'm so excited. I was a guest on Ron's podcast and we had such a yes. blast and I got to know more about him. And I thought, oh my God, I have to have him. You know, we have to have him here. We have to listen to his journey. So I've introduced you, uh, Ron, already. Everyone knows how amazing you are, but let's get started. Tell us, Ron, yeah. what is it that you do at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much again, Gold. And yeah, I'm a 17-year banker. Uh, I'm a kid kind of playing with house money a bit here, um, here in Memphis, Tennessee, in the United States. And you know, my, my journey is unique. I, I came from a, a kind of a sports background in the beginning, initially coming out of high school and into college. And um, quick story on, on how I got started. Um, I went into the Career Advising Center at uh, the University of Memphis here in town. I was in college and there was a sign up on the wall. Someone had posted uh, tellers uh, to make $13 an hour. And I thought, wait a minute, go. I mean, what, who makes $13 an hour? Like I had had a job, you know, and, and you know, this is back in the days when, you know, uh, minimum wage, you know, goal was kind of in that $5 yeah. per an hour. So I was used to making kind of five to six, maybe seven, $8 an hour. And so I see this at, at like $13 an hour, like what? I've got to talk to these people. This is what the rich people make. <laughs> so that's what I thought. You know, so I'm this crazy kid um, in college. And so I call a lady named Teresa Val, who's at the bank. And I mean, she took mercy on me. I'm just this wild kid. I was like, my first question was, are you guys really paying people $13 an hour? And she just starts cracking up. I was like, how do you, I, my mom's like, how do you stay in business doing that? Right. And so she's cracking up. She was like, yes, we do. And, uh, you know, so we had a chuckle. She brought me in and that's how I got my start in banking. Right. And, um, you know, fast forward, I go through my entire career and uh, up to the C-suite goal. And, you know, I'd started doing real estate um, mm. during that time because I had clients that, you know, kind of introduced me to it. And I was doing loans for them and that sort of mm. thing. And, you know, I'm a kid here, you know, here in Memphis, Tennessee, where uh, about 26, 27 percent of the populace, population lives at or below the poverty line. Right. So, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a lot of challenges here, um, yes. but there's a lot of great things as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to those challenges, um, whether they're you know, financial, whether they're racial or, or anything along those lines. But one of the things I always learned Gaul, was, you know, to be the, you know, the very best me that I could always be. And mm -hmm. I had people that invested in me. 
Mm. Um, even when they didn't look like me, but they invested in my career. And so, you know, I've gone through, you know, all kinds of challenges in that transition. Um, I transitioned out of banking kind of tough. Um, and for many of your listeners, they can relate to this. I, you know, I was laid off um, January 4th of 2018 at 345 p.m. The CEO of an organization, um, a financial institution that I was working at, calls me in the office, which was a normal deal back then. Um, typically, when he did that, it was to you know, follow up on something that we were working on or to ask me to look into something as it related to the, the retail division, which um, was my background in retail banking. And so two thirds of the employees at this uh, financial institution reported to me through the retail channel. And I was at this time, I was about 36 going on 37 years old, um, 40 now. But so you know, at this time, he calls me in the office, 345 in the afternoon on a Thursday, right? Fourth day of the year, mm-hmm. right? We've gone through budget season goal. I'm thinking, you know, we've got everything's in line. We had a tremendous 2017. Mm-hmm. We were making as a record for this organization, we were making a million dollars a month net. Wow. Okay. A million dollars a month. And this is an organization that's got about 150 or so employees, financial institution, not nothing near like some of the large players or anything like that goal. So we were having a, we had a tremendous 2017 um, turnover. I mean, everything on the metrics were within what we had set out and planned to do. Um, I get called into the office and basically, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Right. We're, we're going in another direction. Um, so I'm like, wow. what the, you know what I mean? Like completely blindsided. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, there was, there was nothing like in the water that made, you know, give you calls for pause. Right. Mm. And so there's I had no warning a- signs at all. And I, I want to yeah. stop you there for a moment because I think this a lot of people can relate to this. So when we talk about entrepreneurship and when I talk to other people about it, they're like, oh, no, but there's no security in that. You know, you have to get a secure job. What the hell is a secure job? Somebody can just right. fire you out of the blue like this. And you yeah. have, you know, and, and you've done nothing wrong. You've actually made the money. You think that probably you're up for a promotion rather than the other way around. And they actually lay you off. Yeah. I mean, whatever reason they have, yet yeah, justified or not. But the point is, then your future, your financial future is always at the mercy of the person you're employed by, right? Yes, yes. And this is such a, you know awareness factor that most people need to have. But people are just leaping through this. And those people like you and I who've woken up to the truth and thought, huh, no, I'm going to take my financial future <laughs> in my hands. But right. the average Joe Bloggs is still sleeping through and they find more security in handing over their financial security over to somebody else than taking it into their own hands. It's not, isn't that bizarre? It's very bizarre. And we often come up with that mindset, right? From generations, right? Mm. Um, Previous generations are, they go with what they familiar. Go study, get a secure job, get a house, get a mortgage, get a house, get married, have kids. Like there's a set plan for every single person. Like, right. Exactly. And it's because that's what people see. And then that's what they pass down. So then that's what they know. Right. And so anything outside of that gives discomfort and calls for pause. And so you're exactly right, Gull. Um, You know, what I found is, you know, on that day, and you know what, I didn't leave, I was disappointed, but I wasn't mad and pissed off or nothing Mm. like that. I understood the business, but for me, it was an opportunity, right? So I started, I mean, I started getting on the phone, right? When I went and got in the car, when I left, because they don't even, they don't even give you the dignity of letting you leave with your stuff, right? They want to mail your stuff away. I mean, really? Yeah. So that's the, the kind of, you certainly hear in the States sometimes. And, and some oh, they're, people worried, they're, they're worried that you may cause them harm by, you know, something. Yeah. Well, you know, and I wasn't demonstrating any, no, you know, again, there was no cause for positive. You know, I wasn't, 
you know, enraged or, or anything. I, I was my normal self. I was disappointed and I, I was hurtful because I had given that organization a lot. My family and I had given this organization a lot of time and, and effort mm. and things like that. Um, you know, I love the organization. I love, you know, the people that I work for, the people that work for me. And I just didn't understand at the time why the decision was being made. And I'm asking right. questions and I'm not getting answers from yeah. people that I'd spent time with, that had been to their house, they've been to mine. We've, we've done all this stuff together. So it's just confusing. Yeah. I learned down the line that it was because of two mergers that were being completed. Um, and wow. one of those mergers was with a bank that there was kind of a wink, wink deal that, hey, we'll do the deal if you keep my people. Mm-hmm. And their people were cheaper than me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so they brought in someone that they could pay you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year less to, mm-hmm. um, and you know, obviously they didn't get the same performance, but you know, they, uh, you get what you pay for. Exactly. Um, but you know, so that's what it was. So it, I think for your listener, I think the thing to take away is at that moment, and keep in mind, you know, I've got a wife and I've got three kids, mm-hmm. got three girls, right? And you know, this was a pretty significant salary and benefit role. It was the highest that I, I had ever earned mm-hmm. um, at a time at the time. Now, here's here's the interesting part of this goal. I could have, you know, if I had done like what a lot of people do, right, a lot of people would have begged for that job back or to stay or to, you know, they as long as nobody was watching them, right, they would have compromised themselves to keep, like you were talking about earlier, to keep the job, yeah. Yeah. right? I looked at that and said, I can make that same, if I can, you know, if I can get a job where I can make $150,000 a year plus benefits and blah, 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 I can create that for myself and more. Yes, right. Of course. Yeah. And so what I looked at it was, you know, let me go ahead and get started. And it was rough. Oh, good. Best believe. Mm. Here's the thing, go. People answered the when I was vice president of retail, people answered my call. Yeah. <laughs> right. People, my texts, my emails got answered. Guess what happens when you strip the vice presidents away? Oh, yeah, I know. Right? You get ignored. Nobody knows who the hell I am. Mm. Right. And so those same people that I helped, that I had given raises to, that I had uh, jumped in front of bullets for and all kinds of stuff, I can't get them on the phone. They don't, mm. you know. And so that was eye opening for me, too. And actually, one of the toughest parts of that transition was the, facing the facts of that reality goal that people, they knew me from that title. Right. And from those years of, of banking and what I could do for them. And when I was in the position of need right and communication and that sort of thing people didn't know how to i guess handle me or mm-hmm. they just didn't want to handle me anymore because i couldn't do anything else for them that's the real truth right and so instead of being bitter about that and being angry and that i channeled that into let me create you know my lane right and so a couple of things that that transitioned me to um you know so i'm in the real estate which i you know, i told you i have been and you know been investing since 2007 but i created my own lane in you know, community bank consulting because mm. what i noticed is that um community banks had um a, a tremendous need in terms of how they invest in low to moderate income areas here in, mm. and certainly in the states um where they have branches and things like that. And so with my kind of marketing retail background, um, I started reaching out to, to those banks and I just started putting together and I didn't know what the hell I was really, you know, I had the, you know, I had the, the knowledge, but I didn't really know what the hell, you know, mm. you know what I mean? Go, I w- I'm calling people a little bit by the seat of my pants, but what I, what I did was each conversation I learned and I learned and I asked questions. Right. And so for your listeners, that's the thing. You don't have to have this big, sexy, 
you know, process where I've got this glamorous website and all this different stuff. Just start building relationships and listen and find out, right, what are pain points? So when I ask a bank, right, um, what are you doing in this assessment area? Or you've got a branch over here where there's a high urban population and um, a lot of people that are struggling. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do in that area? And you know what I found out? Many people got they had challenges because it's hard for them to relate, right? Because yeah. a lot of these banks um, obviously have very homogenous employee populations, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, just to be totally real, in an area that's 80% black, right? And then you have a bank that's 80 or 90% white. Yeah. And nobody lives over here, right? Everybody lives over there. And so there's no interaction over here other than they get this branch. So the only time they really go over there is for that branch. So there was nobody that looked like me that had that level of knowledge to say, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to find out for you what the opportunities are, bring you those opportunities. And you're going to pay me for those opportunities Um, and bringing those to your doorstep that you executed on. And so that's where I found that pain point Mm -hmm. and then was able to bring those folks together and then that's how, you know, I'm, I'm compensated from there. But I want to stop and you there so for a moment. That, that, that is just a phenomenal thing. You just, which I, I love, I love, I love. So you stepped back and thought, okay, what's my experience? What can I, what can I bring to the table? And that includes not just your experience and your knowledge, but also your skin color. And I, I love that because I, I think I, that's why I use my, my work as well. I don't, you don't see many brown girls doing what I do. There's, there's right. hardly anybody that I know who does what I do to the right. level, like, especially to the level. I don't think now this, I've seen quite a few more come up because of the, I'm here in the picture. But when I started, there was hardly anybody. And that was really important for brown and black people to realize, yeah, one of us can do this and do the energy work to the level there is. And I love that because representation matters. It absolutely matters. And the connection that you would have with another black person, even if the, the social standing is different, even if your economic background is different, right. it will be much stronger. Unfortunately, that's the reality um, to compare to someone who, you know, who could be from the maybe similar sort of social standing, but different uh, color. And you, we have to accept this, you know, we can't paint, you know, you know, paint brush and say, no, no, it doesn't really matter because color does matter. It yeah, does of matter. course it does. Yeah. And, and, and that was the conversation that I had. So when I'm talking to a bank CEO, right, um, and, and him or her, um, the, it, for them to gain an understanding. And this was prior to everything that took place here in the United States, certainly, mm-hmm. and actually around the world. Um, yeah. When you talk about you know, social injustice, right, and the George Floyd situation that happened. That came a lot later. That, that came that came yeah. last year, 2020. But this is in 2018. So, yeah, absolutely. Yes, before so, that, yeah. Yeah. So before all of that, um, these are the conversations I'm having with these Mm. CEOs. I'm attending events. You know, that's money out of my pocket, time away from family. Mm. But I made that investment. Right. Even when I may not have fully could have afforded to. Mm. Right. I I, I took the bet on me. I spent 17 years betting on logos. Right. Whatever the logo was on the bank. Yeah. And so I had to start betting on Ron Brooks. Right. Because I said, well, if I fail, I fail because I took and it was the same thing that goes back to my sport days, right? I had yep. to you have to learn to bet on yourself. You yep. go as a team and I know what I can deliver and I know what we deliver yep. as a team. 
right? Yep. So it's, it's that same mantra, that same, uh, what I call tenacious focus that you had to have. And so sure did, you know, uh, people slam doors in my face that people, yeah, um, you expect you, that that's normal. Yeah, I expect that's, that. that's normal, no matter how you look. And then yeah. you, you exacerbate that when you're, mm. you're black and brown, you know, mm. girl, as you know, and so, yeah. and then for you, you have another layer as being me uh, a woman. <laughs> yeah. A woman on top. yeah. So you have an extra layer that I don't have because, you know, I come in as oh, a man. I'm, gonna add but, that. I'm a Muslim woman. Let's just add that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, so, yeah. So you just keep adding, <laughs> you know, things, you know, down the line, um, which, you know, are, are a great testament to you as how you overcome those. But, you know, so I'm walking in and I, I, I didn't take it personally. You know, when no. a CEO slams the door in my face, doesn't call but me But that back, comes with none of that. mindset, Ron. That shows tenacity. That shows a strength of character, which you develop through your mindset. You're not born with this. You may have certain right. characteristics, which are, you know, because you're an athlete, you, you know how to develop thick skin, you know how to take rejection. But it's a skill that you hone and you, you sort of develop. And that worked in your favor. And this is so important. And that's why I loved your story so much. There's so many aspects where we can actually learn and, and actually say he's doing well because he frigging deserves it. Because yeah. you worked at your mindset. I love it. Absolutely. And, and when you think about that, even from uh, the money standpoint, right? Yeah. And so they gave me a severance, right? They gave me a six month severance, mm. which was longer than any severance I had seen them give, mm. right? The longest I had seen was two months. So that's how I knew they knew what it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I did, I knew I had to work quick. Right. Because mm. what most people do, and this is the employee mindset, right? Yeah. They go start looking for jobs and, yeah. and they try to ride out that six month severance. Yeah. For me, I saw that as, you know, I've got, you know, X amount of time to get this thing really going. Mm. Right. And so, you know, I got started, like I told you immediately, I started making calls. I started putting together the, the infrastructure for myself. And then uh, I reached out to mentors to help refine it. Mm. Right. You know, and that's the thing. Don't, you know, don't be on an Island, you know, to your listeners, yes. you know, you have to have support any, any successful, you know, person has done it with a team. Nobody's Agreed. done it by themselves. Agreed. You need and Nobody's you need mentors. Yeah, and irrespective yeah. of the talent and abilities you have. So, so I'm as a, a first when I learned my talents, I went for you know I learned for those mentors. But then once I had honed my talents for business skills, because I didn't study business, I didn't know deep about yeah. business. I was an employee like yourself. I had an employee yeah. mindset. Then you had to go and get business mentors to be able to do, even even to this point, I have, you know, every time I have a, I'm going to leveling up. So I'm a seven figure and I now have an eight or nine figure mentor to support my journey from there onwards. And this is what you need, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. You're exactly right. And so, you know, my, my mentors continue to level up as I did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm around people and in a, in a nice network and, and continue to grow that. And mm -hmm. so, like you mentioned before, all the, the unrest of 2020, you know, I'm having those same um, diversity mm -hmm. and equity um, and inclusion conversations, you know, even back then. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in community banking, that's a very conservative industry. Right. It's a very white industry, mm, right? It's it is, very yeah. white male dominated, right? Yeah. So, I worked in the banking finance sector. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you know exactly. And so, um, you know, so it's a, there's a shortage of, of women, you know, of all colors, and and yeah. you know, uh, uh, women in general are not. In, well, like well, they weren't they weren't in banking finance when I was back in there, but I think more there's yeah. more representation now. But yeah, yeah. women women in general need to be, <laughs> need to come yeah. to the sector. And and you know the the, the big thing with that goal is um there's still a shortage in leadership right on the yes. boards and, yes. and in decision making Agreed. roles yes i think Agreed. yeah there's more representation at the entry level and maybe some of mid-management yeah but 
you know, when I would go to conferences, you know, and I'm going to like C-suite conferences, yeah. you know, I'm one of very few, you know, either black males or, even, you know, black women, black or brown, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, women of color, women of ethnicity mm-hmm. um, that's in the room. When I went to branch manager, you know, conferences, you know, the whole room would be you know, us, right? You know, because yeah. that that's kind of the level that tends to top out, right? Yeah. Is that that entry to to middle level management. Yes. Agreed. And then there's this kind of this ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you talk about, you know, the C suite. So you talk about, you know, CFO, um, mm-hmm. you know, chief retail officer, head of mm-hmm. human resources, that level, then CEO and then at the board level with chairman, chairwoman, yeah. you know, that's very light. And so those are conversations I'm having with the banks as well, mm-hmm. which um, aren't always the easiest conversation. No, right? they wouldn't because, be. Yeah. The, um, that requires change and, and change isn't easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. And some of them, you know, they can always hide behind the demographics, right? So if you go into a, a city again that has very few black and brown folks hmm. um, there, um, the excuse I always would get was, well, we don't have you know, the people to pull from, Ron. They're, they, hmm. they're just not here, right? And, and that was excuse. That was BS, right? Because they are there. That, um, what happens is, and this is why I challenged a lot of my bank partners even now, is um, they didn't invest in training and development, right? Yes. Which you have to have that as a business owner. You yeah. have to have that for sure. But these companies, you know, at corporate, they, they just want to, and, and banking for many years, what they always wanted to do go was just snatch, you know, let someone else train somebody and then pay them a little bit more to snatch them away. Yep. Yep. Right. And so no one was really developing talent, really. Everybody's just looking to snatch it from the next person and pay you just a little bit more money. And that's what's changed now. Now you have to the, the the companies, and this isn't just banking. This is for you and I, and and everybody else listening, mm. and every company. The the folks that invest in training and development for themselves and for their people, they're the ones that are going to stand out and be successful. Yeah, and they're the ones the which future. are work world leaders. I mean, people like in companies like Google, the kind of work. Yeah. This, this new work environment has been brought in by Google, and I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever you say about you know the 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 politics and whatever that goes behind it, but they actually. Environment and the work ethos for the work for the workforce is amazing. Casual dress, yes. um, you know, creativity development areas and whatever else, and opportunities and training and whatnot. That's exactly what you need in companies across the board. And I, I, I tell you, we could do that with some <laughs> some of the legal firms as well, for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, but anyway, um, so then so how so you 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 changed direction and you became self employed. But you yes. still continue to build your real estate. So how did when did you start, you know, investing in real estate? Yeah, so I, I started real estate back in two thousand seven. Um, right. Okay. I so some, already, uh, you were already involved in that when you left in two thousand eighteen. Okay. Yeah, I was already in it on, on a first time basis, uh, or, or you know, or kind of part time basis, I should say. And you know, go what what typically would happen is you know I'd come across a property and you know I could buy it and you know I knew how to get the financing of course and I could rehab it and and rent it out and that sort of thing. Of course, you know, two thousand eight and two thousand nine happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I I took the haircut there, right? And was so did I. To, Hands up. <laughs> yeah. That's so so, yeah, so uh, many people can can raise their hand to that. I I took the haircut for sure. Um. Then and so then you know now what I do is uh, kind of the similar strategy. I still do buy and hold when it makes sense, but then I also wholesale it where mm-hmm. I'm able to be 
be kind of the middleman between a buyer and a seller. Right. And by bringing them together, I'm able to uh, earn, you know, the uh, you know, commission. Money that way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, and, and able to do that, uh, you know, without having to be licensed and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and so that's been a nice, um, certainly over the last 18 months, it's been tremendous uh, for me and my family and kind of building a nest egg and that sort of thing. And so we've been able to pay down debt. I've been able to uh, do some investing in some other areas and, and really put that money to work, um, you know, and looking at the, you know, money as a partner, right. And, um, and what my wife and I do and, you know, what our goals are and then putting each individual dollar to work, right. As part mm. of that partnership. And so that's what we've been able to do, you know, certainly there, but yeah, you're exactly right that, you know, you, you have to take ownership um, of your financial situation. And, you know, as you can see, the world's become so much unpredictable mm. now. I mean, look at the last just several years, uh, you know, I mean, we've had how many times have the market crashed or, um, you know, go, how many times have we had, you know, attacks or, you know, now we got viruses, we've got weather, you yeah. know, I'm sitting here in Memphis, Tennessee, we've got, you know, almost 10 inches of snow, right? Mm. Which it never snows like that here. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it was a state of emergency in Texas. Oh, you guess know, I, yes, I heard, I heard on the news. Yeah, they had the weather without power yeah. and electricity and whatnot. And it's just, and they were, you know, they were told to just close the doors and not come out. Yeah. So think about that. How many businesses have you know, yeah. put employees at home, in some cases without pay, depending on the, the company and the role. And you know, think about what things like, you know, increasing minimum wage are going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Business owners are going to reduce hours. And, you know, people, you know, it, my analogy to, to these type of things is kind of the you, you think about the Thanksgiving holiday, um, you know, here in the States. And, mm. you, know, I, you know, it's a little bit crude, but, you know, the, the turkey that gets the invite to Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Yeah. And gets excited, but doesn't glance at the menu. <laughs> and realize that uh, they're on the menu, right? Yeah. So, oh, uh, we, I mean, we can we talk. I think I think we we can talk about that separate time. But I definitely agree. All of this is where I mean, we as taxpayers, we're the one who's going to not just us, Ron. Your our children as well. They they my kids who are in schools will be paying this off for the next fifty years, and maybe oh, even cool. their and their children as well. So we know where this is going. Yeah, um, but no then doubt. then that that also means that. If they're actually, you know, employees, they're more likely to pay more. I, I keep coming back to this idea: you pay a lot more taxes as a, as an employee than you do as self-employed. Not saying you don't pay taxes as self-employed or as as a business owner or as a company owner, but right. you have a lot more tax breaks compared to, you know, you, you everything else has to pay first, and then pay based on the income left is what you you pay taxes on. Whereas when you're an employee, you pay taxes first. And then you live mm -hmm. off what remains after, which is really bizarre way of looking at things. And majority of the people still think more security is in that. And the fact that they can go to have this nine to five and not think about anything else. And I find that that's an awful way to live. And I was one of those. I'm ha I have to of say, course. I yeah. was one of those. And I'm thinking, thank God I woke up, right? But um, but I, a lot of people have that. And it's very difficult for them to flip that mindset. And it is. And they come out of it. And I have a lot of you know, corporate, because I work with a lot of um, ex-corporate people and they come into entrepreneurship with still with the employee mindset mm -hmm. and they want to have their regular income. They want to have the predictability and then let's quickly get the quickly. And you think, well, you need to be able to, uh, you know, handle the, you know, the volatility of being self-employed because sometimes you have lots of fruits and other times you, there's a bit of a drought, but you have to manage your money that way. Yes. That. Yep. Anyway, Very true. So 
So, Ron, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. So, uh, it's such an amazing journey to have be on with you. I, I absolutely loved it. Tell yeah. us, where can we uh, find you? Where can we connect with you on the net? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very simple. You know, go, everybody can go to Champ Ron Brooks. Uh, that's C-H-A-M-P. R-O-N-B-R-O-O-K-S. Um, that's a, a great way to connect with me. All my social media is there. Um, you can learn more about my real estate business. Um, and I'd also like to share something with you as well. If sure. uh, everyone's interested in texting me, um, this is no spam, no BS, but uh, text me, it comes to me, 312-847-4071. I'd like to share uh, my recent book, uh, Investing in Real Estate with Little to No Money Down. I'd like to share that as an ebook with your audience. Uh, oh. Totally free. I'll send it out to you. Um, again, there's no spam or, or none of that type of thing. Just love to be able to connect uh, with you if you're interested. And so, uh, again, that's 312-847-4071. And uh, love to you know, connect with you. And if I could be a resource. Fabulous, fabulous. For those of you listening, that all the, the, the number that Ron gave out will be in the show notes. So please come and have a look at and, and you can get um, all the links that Ron mentioned are in the show notes, as well as the number will be there too. If you're watching this on YouTube, then it'll be down below. Um, on their uh, on the description, giving the number and on and Ron's website and all, all the other links will be there too. Well, yeah. we're going to have Ron back. We have to have him back. He's, he has a wealth of knowledge on real estate. We have to ask him. We have to get some knowledge. We have to pick his brain a little bit. So we'll have him back as a guest on our Money Talkie segment. But for now, we're going to say thank you so much, Ron, for being such an amazing guest and sharing your inspiration journey with us. I will be back with another guest talking about how they change their life by changing their mindset. I will feature them on, obviously, Friday Feature. And until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. That's G-U-L-L-K-H-A-N.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day millionaire mindset makeover challenge, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.millionairemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in our next five-day challenge. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan. Take care and bye for now.